Hello and welcome folks to another episode of Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Aaron. My name is Drew. And it is 10 o'clock on a Sunday and I've got <laughs> coffee, so you know what that means. We're in for an awesome, awesome episode. Yes, I'm super, super excited. If you watched our last episode at the end, I think it was very clear that Aaron and I are very excited to do this episode. Hey, but before we get into it, I just want to give a quick thank you to our subscribers. We've grown this channel from basically nothing, and we're super excited that uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback and people are subscribing and liking these videos. If you have a moment, hit the subscribe button down below. We want to keep you up to date with the videos that we're putting out. We're really proud of them, and we hope you enjoy them as well. With that out of the way, Drew, let's talk about the Fast and the Furious theme park land that we both designed. Yes, yes. So as you know, in our previous episodes, Aaron and I have not been very nice to the current Fast and the Furious rides and attractions. Well, really just kind of one attraction that we have on both of our coasts that represent yeah. the entire franchise of Fast and the Furious, which um, is like super successful. It's interesting because... I mean, so of the universal properties, of the film properties that they have, Jurassic World is the most successful single film, but the Fast and the Furious franchise is by a long shot the most successful franchise that they have in their catalog. And you would think that that would be reflected in their theme park existence as well, but it seems like it's just kind of gotten the redheaded stepchild treatment. As a car guy, I think that's a shame. As a fan of the franchise, I think that's a shame. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously you and I, um, like we've let everybody know in the past that we are car guys. Like we yeah. we met at a car meet. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we both worked at a car company together. We've been in this world in like the automotive, like tuner world in real life. And we've yes. seen what it's like. And it's really interesting to me that the Fast and the Furious franchise, when it first came out, every car guy was super into it. And I don't know about you, but they've kind of lost me with like the last two or three, you know, uh, movies that they've come out with. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how our lands that we've created are going to reflect kind of that feeling. I don't know if that's how you feel, but I definitely feel like I've, I've kind of tapered off on like, Oh, I'm going to go see that opening day. Like, no, I'll wait till it, I'll wait till it comes out for free on an airplane, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that is where I feel like those films really shine is on a six inch screen on the back of someone's headrest. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I will say this, I feel like uh, there was a turning point where the films stopped being really about cars, car culture, or racing, and started being more like spy action thrillers with car chases. Actually, that's something that I sort of integrated into my ride is more well I'll, I'll say this i found more inspiration from like a combination of james bond and speed racer than i actually did from the fast and furious franchise films i'm just kind of putting a fast and furious costume on top of it yeah it's really interesting too because when i was thinking about how to design my land all the movies are so different. Like I watched all the movies and I actually think it, it kind of hurt my design brain um, because there's just like 
there's so many things that happen in so many different storylines. Like it, it's really difficult to like pinpoint like, oh, this is this is the one really successful part of the franchise that I'm going to try to. So it, it it's kind of no surprise that the attraction that we ended up getting in both Universal Parks is kind of weird. It doesn't really have yeah. uh, anything to do with the movies, because if they chose like a certain segment of the movies, it's just it's just really hard. So. Um, I mean, that that is something to be said for, you know, having a either a figurehead like Kevin Feige to Marvel, right. where there is like a continuous vision throughout these movies, or even just a company like Lucasfilm to the Star Wars, um, well, projects now, not just not just the movies, but the TV shows, both live action and animated, like all of that stuff is really taken care of by one brain trust. Right. With Fast and Furious, it is just kind of a grab bag. Yeah, it's been handed off a bunch of times. So it is kind of a mixed bag uh, when it comes to storyline and people dying and coming back. And it really is the soap opera. <laughs> the soap opera of the car world. Definitely, definitely. Okay, well, um, some parameters for our... Yes for the episode today. Uh, first thing that we're going to go over um, is we have restaurants. So it's kind of been the same for all the other lands that we've reimagined or imagined. Uh, we're going to do one restaurant, one attraction, and one additional experience. So uh, this should be really fun. So I think we should start with probably, what do you think, dining? Yeah, we can start with dining. I mean, and I'm actually curious, Drew, just about the environment in general. Yeah. You know, we have kind of like a, a one, we only have one really physical area that you can explore on foot, and that's here in Orlando. And otherwise, it's just kind of the digital uh, <laughs> landscape yeah. that they give you in the uh, in the virtual <sighs> the virtual side of things. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm trying not to, whoa. So... Seeing as we're going to fill an entire land with this property, I want to know what you were going to fill it with. You know, just as we're walking in, what is the ambiance that we're going to experience? Sure. And then guide me to your restaurant. Yeah. So um, my land, it, first of all, like I said, I watched all the movies and there were two movies that really stood out to me. Um, and like there was there was two that like that really stand out when I think of the franchise in general of Fast and the Furious. And those two movies are the original, The Fast and the Furious, and the third movie, which is Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. So I wanted to incorporate both of those areas in my land. So what I want you to picture is kind of a baseball diamond. You're sitting at home plate. You're looking out. You see the baseball diamond. There's the, 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 the pitcher's mound right in front of you. So from home plate to the pitcher's mound, that's my main street. So... Um, but what's interesting about this street is that it's actually divided in two. And this was kind of something that I pictured and I was like, hmm, I don't know if that's going to work, but I think it would really be cool. And what I want to do with my main road for entry is I want the entire right side from the middle to the right. I want it to be dressed like downtown L.A., uh, like Long Beach clearly in California, in the LA area vibe. And on the left side, I want it to be Tokyo. I literally want you to be able to take a selfie this way and you're in LA and take a selfie this way and you're in Japan. I think there's such cool cultures. And at the very end of that street is two iconic cars. 
And those cars, when you see them, tell the entire story as to why this land is divided in half. And those cars, um, on the Japan side, I want, I want Brian's Supra. I want the bright orange Supra. And on the right side, I mean, everyone knows what it, it's going to be. It's going to be mm-hmm. Dom's Challenger. And it's from the iconic scene, the iconic race at the end of the first Fast and the Furious, when they race their quarter mile just before the, you know, just before the train is about to hit them. And then Dom, of course, crashes his Challenger. So, like, I think those two cars kind of embody what the Fast and the Furious franchise has tried to stick to this whole time. And I think it's fallen a little bit short. So I want to remind everyone, like, where it all began. It started with a mix between American muscle and Japanese JDM tuning. Now, I have had lots of experience with Japanese tuning. There's some cars behind me that you might notice that uh, one of them I've owned, the little black one over here. It's a totally different culture than the American muscle culture. And I do have an American classic car, um, so I know that side of it as well. And they're just so different, but they need to be kind of encapsulated by this land and embraced in kind of not like a head to head, but like we're all car people, right? That's something that I think has fallen really short with the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's not about like Vin Diesel. I know we're going to make a thousand jokes about family, (laughs) but it's a family, right? I'm surprised we've gone 10 minutes without actually making a joke about it Me too. (laughs) Me too. Maybe our title sequence will just cut to Vin Diesel saying family, but (laughs) anyway... Um, that's the whole franchise, right? Like Brian owes, uh, Dom a 10 second car. What does he buy? He buys a two JZ Supra and then they fix it up and then they race the Challenger versus the Supra. So I think they represent the two sides of my land. So you can imagine it's totally different. Um, I've been to Japan. Japan is like way clean, super colorful, uh, very interesting architecturally, um, versus LA, you know, the street is going to be a little bit more craggly, maybe a few patches here and there. Um, and, and just like different, different street lights, different trash cans, different, different everything. So, um, that's kind of the vibe that I'm going for. I think one of the most important things in establishing the land is going to be that main street because the street is almost like a silent character. You know, the, the, the asphalt itself could kind of tell these stories in a way. And I think just in the way that the great theme park theming uses every aspect and that includes what's below your feet. I think that you're using a great, a a great tool in terms of storytelling here to say, here's one side of this franchise storytelling. Here's another side of this franchise storytelling. I think that using the cars as like focal point is excellent. Would the cars like be in front of your attraction? Were they in front of a restaurant or was it just kind of like a a focal point and a divide? They are a lead in into my additional attraction um, because the additional attraction is, is kind of behind that that pitcher's mound area where those two cars sit, if you if you think about it. So think of like center field is where my additional experience is. And then my e-ticket attraction awesome. is on the LA side and my restaurant is actually on the Tokyo side. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very but cool. like picture Florida's Fast and the Furious queue. Like that's that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I don't mind that look at all. I think it is very like 
industrial Long Beach, LA, that kind of area. Yeah. So um, I, I think we should definitely stick with that on the LA side. But for the for the Japan side, it needs to be like a lot cleaner, different colors, different signage, just to really tell that story. Yeah, I'm imagining a lot of neon yep. would be really cool and just yeah. like like full of lights and um, yeah, that would that would be really incredible. I will say what I what I wrote down as far as environmental factors. Uh, one of the things that I love, and it's such a subtle feature, um, but it's in Galaxy's okay. Edge, and it's the sound of spaceships yeah. overhead. And so what I imagined would be super cool is to hear races, not to actually see them, but to hear races and hear occasionally police sirens and to give you that full immersion of like, oh, just around the corner, there's a race that you just Yeah, missed. there's something going on you know, over having there. Right. burnt rubber on the ground, like having really lived in this environment seeing like the the signs the like obvious signs of like donuts in an intersection and just like really giving it like the sense of this is a place that car guys go and have a ball like this is like the paradise for car culture and it's kind of like a tangent to legal activities but (laughs) you know the the risk is part of the I will say Aaron and I were we never we never were a part of illegal activities ever it was mostly just drive your car to some restaurant Mm -hmm. and eat and then talk about your car until 1am in the morning yep (laughs) yep yep a lot of Thai teas a lot of uh, a lot of coffee in dimly lit parking lots it's the opposite approach of what you want to see in a theme park or by extension on a on a movie but like the guys that really show off and are hooning their car and doing burnouts are the guys that you do not want to hang out with like it's the most casual subtle cool humble people that have like the crazy builds those are the guys that you want to hang out with yeah it's really funny but in our case we sort of have to flip it and say Bring on the D bags. <laughs> like those are the ones that sell. Those put butts yes, in seats. <laughs> absolutely. Cool. Well, I want to hear about. I, I explained the description of my kind of entryway in the facade of my land. So, what I want to hear what you came up with. I didn't come up with nearly as much detail as, as you did. I love the idea of splitting the two. Um, the one thing that I really thought was important, I wanted it to feel more like a city and less just like an industrial garage, because that's kind of the sense that I get here in Orlando is that you're just coming upon a garage. And I really wanted the city to be more vibrant and be a city. Um, I think one thing that works in the favor of Orlando is that you have other things that are kind of masking the blandness of the just fast and furious attraction because you have some more san francisco elements um you have like the the pier and i think that that would be really important and i think that choosing la or choosing tokyo was great i actually was thinking of miami as mine and i wanted that bright uh very like beachy um, like the too fast too furious vibe the Too Fast, Too Furious, okay, yeah. yeah, that was exactly my uh, my sort of time and place. Okay. Not my favorite movie for car choices, nope. but I think as far as like having very like visually delightful imagery yeah. and settings, like that is a really, really great place to start. Uh, so I wanted it to be, I mean, I would even stretch that to say some of the scenes in Cuba in the latest uh, Fast and yeah. Furious. having 
little bits of that would be really interesting where that is kind of like a pretty like not to be disrespectful but like pretty like lowbrow uh racer culture if you will that whole sequence but it's really neat and intriguing and shows like the car culture really does span globally so giving it kind of a cityscape feel having the city feel more alive. Uh, one thing that I thought would be really cool, I'm gonna have a garage, of course. You can't not yeah. have a garage. I'm gonna have a garage as a facade, but I thought that uh, surrounding some of those areas, if you could obscure the windows enough so that this was safe, I actually want real KUKA robots doing welding to give the sense that there are actually people in there working on cars. Because I think it's really important to show that like, these cars don't just manifest. Yeah. There's like some reference to like car lingo that makes it seem like, oh, these people really know cars. They know what they're talking about. Or, ooh, they built this thing up. Like, no, people put their lives into just building cars and yeah. they don't even necessarily drive them hard. They just are proud of the craft. They're proud of the work that they put into building, maintaining, restoring these automobiles. And I think that would be a cool just visual to have to have literally just a robot in there welding just sheet metal yeah. for all day long. Yeah, <laughs> just having it go. The, uh, the first thing I thought of when you said that was, I'm pretty sure in the sequence, like the, the San Francisco underground sequence in the tram tour here, they have a machine that shoots sparks. So you could, you could easily do something like that with, without mm -hmm. even needing to actually weld. But like, I agree with you. Like I'm one of those people that you're explaining. Like, I've put my heart and soul into the to my American classic car. I, I won't reveal what it is yet. You guys can speculate down in the comments, but um, I, I put, poured my heart and soul into this car. And like, it really is about like the work and the love and the joy of doing it. Like I, I barely drive the thing maybe once a month. So I, I feel you. And it's not a race car. It is not. It's, it, it, <laughs> yeah. The, the point is not to be, and, and I guess that's, that's something that the fast and furious doesn't really get grasp of yeah. is that car culture is not race culture. Right. Um, racing is one element and tuning for racing is one element. They have kind of like the offshoot of like demolition derby and some other like silly um, areas. But I think it is an enormous missed opportunity that, uh, that they just sort of like skate past people having cars for the passion of having cars and kind of what it represents, especially like in Americana, in our tradition of car ownership. I mean, California car culture is like its own country, its own totally. thing. Yeah, and yeah. actually I would kind of agree then that if you picked like your setting as Miami with the Too Fast, Too Furious movies, I would actually argue that that's exactly right. Like the cars that are in that movie aren't so much about performance and racing so much as they are about the look and the personality that comes out of the, it, it's, it's, it's a way to kind of show your personality through your car. So if I can translate this into Disney, this is Ramon in cars saying low and slow and like being all about aesthetics and having a paint shop. That is a caricature of a really important aspect of car culture. Definitely. You're right. You're right. So that that's really yeah. cool. Okay, so Miami. That would be, and like, I mean, come on. You're going to be in Florida. So you're going to nail. Come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you're going to nail Miami. It's going to be great. Yeah. And, and like. You just go three hours away, pick up some props and come back. Right, exactly. Pick up some people, <laughs> take photos of people. And you know, like when you're in Miami and you see like, 
all these big yachts. Like, you know there's an underground. Like, there's a feeling of that kind of underground. So that's really cool, dude. I think that's great. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it's gone without saying so far. We aren't trying to put this into one particular spot of a theme park. We aren't even trying to put it into a particular theme park. Um, I hope it goes without saying that it's a universal park, but we're just kind of making up a land as we go. But I think that a water feature in a Miami setting would be essential, absolutely essential, because you can have that sort of coastal vibe. You can give it a a beachy quality. I mean, I would absolutely love a little like trio or quartet of like Cuban musicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would blow my mind. That whole that whole vibe would just really, really scream the franchise without sacrificing the fun. Because I I don't think that... I think that you lose people when you take yourself overly seriously. And I think that that is certainly something that the film franchise and their overall storytelling falls victim to. Yeah. It's like uh, that over-serious, over-dramatized... You know, it's, it's like... It is kind of like trying to make uh, a park themed out of a soap opera. Yeah. Because it is... I think that's why the memes are so great is because the series takes itself too seriously. And so as a result, the memes are hilarious by contrast. Yeah, if you don't laugh at yourself, someone will. The first one didn't take itself seriously, I don't believe. Yeah. I don't think like the next two really did, but it started leaning into it. I think maybe towards the fourth and then certainly everyone that followed. Yeah, I would agree four four is definitely when it got a little too serious. That's my that's my idea is make sure that we make it fun. Yeah. You know, it's got to be a fun place just to look at. I think that being able to look at Tokyo to my left and LA on my right would be awesome. I think that would be just like so vibrant and offer such amazing options and opportunities for that like comparison contrast it would really really be cool and it really does tell the story just in a visual just in a shot down the main street yep you're now learning oh that's what this is about okay and one thing that i was thinking about when thinking of that idea of the division line between the two separate themed areas is there is a universal studios in osaka so, I mean, what better designers to work with than the ones who live in Japan, who probably own a lot of the cars that you and I wish we can own here, um, who, know, who know what the car culture is and like where those people hang out um, in Japan. So I have recently, like within the last three weeks, looked up on multiple occasions importing a key car. Or like a little like one of those micro vans k car looked in, yeah 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 i've spent more time than i care to admit looking at <laughs> like those like quirky square vans and just how cool some of the designs are that just don't get exported they don't leave the country right right you can import them it's just like it's this pricing is astronomical so it wouldn't yeah, really be it's worth like it. a 500 dollar car that you spend eight thousand dollars on yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah, if you want a right-hand drive car, just buy a Postal Jeep. You'll be just happy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And cool. you can find a mechanic around the corner who can actually work on it. That's true. That's true. Nice. Okay, well, we've talked about our description of the land. Um, shall I move into my dining section? Let's talk about food. I've been dying for this. Yes. Yeah, Aaron and I are definitely food people. We enjoy good food. 
Um, food comes up a lot during our overrated, underrated episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, my restaurant idea, um, I kind of like when you're at a car meet, once again, I'm in that mindset of like, let's get these car people like you and me back into this franchise. So like, let's, let's learn what they like to do. So for, for me in this mindset, I decided that I didn't want to do a sit down restaurant. First of all, Fast and the Furious just does not talk about food. I'm pretty sure Hobbs doesn't eat ever. <laughs> like we never, no, I don't think so. We never see any of the characters really eat. There's a couple food references, but other than that, it's like, it's like they don't need food. So there's no they, references. They have like, they have like the occasional family barbecue, right? But it's constantly flipping the burger. It's never actually. Right. Eating it. Right. It's it, apparently they just drink beer. That's the all the only just thing you Coronas. see is someone drinking a Corona. That's it. Yep. So from the neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I kind of went into this with that that automotive meat um, type of mindset. And so for me, when you're at something like a car meet or a car show, you don't want to be sitting down while your car is outside in a parking space. You want to get your food. And you want to go like talk with everybody and talk about their cars and walk around and, and like you want to be around the cars. So for me, it made no sense to do a sit down restaurant. I wanted to do a quick service dining restaurant in the Japan area. It, it, it's going to be quick service, but the only items that they're going to serve um, that they actually like serve to you over a counter would be milk tea boba and like matcha yes. green tea which is like everybody in Japan loves that, and especially in the car culture here. Uh, Popcorn chicken with different dipping sauces. Um, I wanted different types of takoyaki. Have you ever had takoyaki? No. Sounds delicious. They're like little fried balls with... uh, with like octopus inside, but you can you can put other stuff in it. So like I like the mm-hmm. idea okay. of having like a rotating menu kind of thing with different types of takoyaki, and then uh, also taiyaki, which is the waffle like fish that have sweet sweet fillings inside. They're delicious. They're really good. Um, so I wanted that, and then of course the one tie-in that I have to add into the Tokyo area is Han's potato chips. So Han, the character in Tokyo Drift, the first time we meet him, all he's doing is eating chips. So of course, we have to serve Han's house-made chips at this quick service dining. And then Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could just imagine everyone walking around talking and just like popping a chip in their mouth, just like Han, yep. right? Um, but the main food that will be served is going to be very Japanese. And what I mean by that is it's going to be served out of a bank of Japanese vending machines. So, Ooh, that's yes. awesome. So in Japan, if you've ever been, there is a huge amount of vending machines. I mean, on like every street corner. And they will literally sell you anything from like underwear to a hot lobster dinner. Uh, and in fact, in one of the scenes in Tokyo Drift, um, they're sitting down and th- you can literally see a bank of... Uh, of vending machines behind them while they're eating because you can order like ramen, tonkatsu, and these machines, these vending machines, make them. So I loved the idea of having a bank of vending machines with food to go um, so that you can just walk around and, and enjoy the area because that that feels very car meaty to me. Like everybody's standing up, eating, 
talking with each other uh, and just like hanging out. That's my restaurant idea. I love that. I think one thing that that would would bring, I've never thought of a restaurant in these terms, but by requiring, by offering people just the option to have quick service and what it sounds like is all pretty much handheld food. Yeah. You give the opportunity to make that land very kinetic and like almost always moving. Right. I think that is exactly right. And I never thought that a restaurant would be a contributing factor to that, but that's genius. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. That's such great utilization. And and like I said, it's just a a huge point of Japanese culture to have those vending machines on every street corner. So I think that's an authentic experience. And I, I think they should, like I said, partner up with Universal Osaka and get some like legitimately accurate machines yeah. brought in for this for this dining area. So, yeah. I went in a very different direction than that in my restaurant offerings. Okay. Um, but we are in absolute agreement that fine dining and fast and furious do not mix. No. What I set up was my own little micro car meet of food trucks. Oh, cool. So I have I have three food trucks that are the sort of style that you're used to, where it's, you know, think of chef, you know, that's like that classic food truck style. And then a fourth one. um, I actually looked this up. I uh, just for fun. I was like, what is the biggest food truck that you can that you can like get? And there is a company in San Antonio that made a food truck out of a semi truck. So it's like a shipping container sized oh, cool. food truck. Nice. So what I wanted that to be is walk up service to a giant, like basically that would be your walk up restaurant. It could even just fold back into a building and be its own sit down restaurant. But I wanted it to be these four trucks, three of your typical classic and one semi truck full of food. And I actually went as far as, uh, styling all of them uniquely so the first one i'm so glad that you brought up han um the first one is a rice bowl place first of all drew actually let's let's give a little bit of an easter egg to the character of han uh do you know his last name um oh gosh i used to oh no i can't remember it it is han sol o is it really (laughs) han Seoul, as in South Korea, O, dash O, I Han Solo. I didn't know that. I definitely didn't know that. So I named my rice bowl place Han Bolo. <laughs> <laughs> Is bowl spelled like Seoul, but with, with a B? It should be. <laughs> I didn't do it in my notes, so I, <laughs> but it should be. Awesome. Uh, so, so classic rice bowl. Yeah. You got steak, pork chicken, tofu, veggies, whatever, served in hubcaps. Ooh, interesting. Okay, cool. And I thought that would be a really cool, like, you know, very Instagrammable uh, food offering. The next one, number two, is Toretto's Cafe. Yeah. And this is a sandwich joint. So tying in Miami, we'd have a famous Cubano sandwich, but also... Uh, it would be other types of paninis. And I thought, uh, I looked this up too. You can get a, basically a brand, like um, a press with a shape in it. And so I thought it'd be really cool to do panini presses with the shape of various tools. 
Ooh. So like having like a wrench or a hammer or like whatever sockets or like various car tools that you'd see pressed directly into your bread. And of course, you can't have a sandwich joint and call it Toretto's Cafe without having the Brian, which is going to be a spicy tuna, not just tuna, but spicy tuna on white with no crust. Awesome. Number three. Number three is actually a, a food truck bar. And it's called the GT Bar. Okay. Pawn off the GTR. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, so these would be various like cocktails or mocktails. Um, and I thought it'd be really cool to give them all underglow, like LED underglow. Yeah. And um, also have a Corona Rita. Ooh. So put a Corona upside down inside of a margarita. Boom. Classic. And the last one, uh, this is a deep cut, but I hope... Uh, I hope that the real Fast and Furious heads like this. Uh, so the fourth one is the semi-truck. This is going to be Gallo's Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and you can order a Gallo 12, which is a personal pizza, or a Gallo 24 as a family pizza. Yes, that is fantastic. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Gallo is just a made-up pizza joint and... Brian is supposed to be teamed up with a detective and he knows nothing about cars and he's holding a cup from Gallo's Pizza. So Brian goes, hey, uh, for my car, do you think I should do a Gallo 12 or a Gallo 24? He goes, I think a Gallo 24. He's like, oh, I didn't know pizza places made engines. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a perfect callback to Brian getting to own some Fed. Totally. And it's awesome. Totally. Yeah. So that's great. Um. That's my uh, car meat of food. I love that. And actually, the whole the whole like semi container thing. I think they did this past year during Mardi Gras. So like, there was like different booths that they put around, and I'm pretty sure one of them was like a fake little steel container. So I think I think you're mm. onto something. They did a bunch of those little mobile like um, drop containers. Yeah. Uh, for various things, just because of social distancing and the normal Mardi Gras stuff, they had to get creative. And I, I think it worked pretty well. Yeah, I could totally see that. I think that's really cool. And I like the idea of it representing, once again, different cultures that live within this Fast and the Furious you know, franchise, which equal different cultures in the automotive world. So we're, we're on the same page, definitely. I think we're trying to fill the same holes. <laughs> we're just calling them as we see them and kind of finding our clever ways to fill those holes. I'm getting a really cool idea of what of what your land is going to look like. So that's really neat. Nice. I think we're saving the good stuff for last, which is very exciting. Yeah, for sure. So we've talked we've talked about a restaurant and we've talked about the general ambiance of our Fast and Furious land. Mm-hmm. So now we have our additional experience and our e-ticket ride. Drew, which would you like to do first? I definitely want to do I like I like you said, I think I want to save best for last. I want to save my e-ticket okay. attraction. Um, so I'd like to do my additional, additional experience. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I got to kind of touch on the elements of the environment, um, in our previous segment, but I didn't want to give away too much in my additional experience. And so I sort of like held back some details. So I'm going to jump back into that territory a bit, uh, in, in talking about, uh, my additional experience in one of the movies, there is a car hacker named Cypher. Yes. And so my additional experience is going to be interacting with various prop cars 
that are spread throughout the land uh, using something called a cipher station. And it's basically just an interactable prop. Yeah. But these are all, they're all full-size cars that do something fun and interesting. This is a very popular thing in Universal, especially with Super Nintendo World opening. There's a lot of interactivity yeah. that uses a, the power band, which like is a little Mario wristband. But this would just be a phone interaction because there would be some different options and different opportunities to interact, potentially, uh, based on where you are. Yeah. So just a couple of the cool things that I thought you could do. If you go buy a car that has like an open trunk and the huge subwoofer, you know the car I'm talking about, yep. Drew, with the huge 18. It's completely not a usable trunk anymore. Yes. It's just fully been designed to be a base cannon. Yeah. So you can actually come up, scan a little uh, QR code or something similar to it, and just blast music out of the thing. And just... <laughs> just make this huge blast but you got to do something with that blast so the car itself starts shaking and it starts shaking an adjacent building next to you and you start seeing the brickwork rattle and the glass rattle and so the whole environment is now responding to your your little just entry into the car that's cool i love that another one i thought of was um another cypher station that i thought of was having a car either on jacks or i thought it would also be funny to do a parking boot <laughs> uh, okay and have to be able to actually rev up the car and spin a wheel that is just free spinning it's not actually like turning it's not moving the car but to have that motion have kind of like a Rube Goldberg effect and have it like connect to a wire that connects to a thing and just interacts with the rest of the environment around it. The one that I thought would be the silliest is to have a tow truck where you can raise and lower the tow arm. And when you raise the tow arm high enough, what you see at the end, uh, lifting it like out of a big crater, a big hole, a big pit is a universal tram. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So that that is a little bit of my uh, like environmental interactive experience is to be able to basically hack these cars and have fun with them. That's super cool. And it, it kind of reminds me of a mix between like the hacking that you can do at Galaxy's Edge at Disney and also um, something you can do in the Simpsons area at, U at Universal Studios at the nuclear power plant. There's a button that you can press and then the these like 50 gallon drums start shaking and alarms start going off. So I, I yep. really like that. And I like the idea because if it's a button, I mean, that button is right next to like a, a dining area. And if you sit there, there will be kids that will push it every like minute and a half when it's available mm -hmm. and, it, and it gets a little old. So I like the idea of like, you know, you're hacking it with your phone. That's super great. It's also hands free, which I think everyone right now is going to be germ conscious in theme parks. And yeah. So anything yeah. that can be hands free is going to be a good thing. Definitely. Um, I, I was really inspired by some of the uh, uh, Wizarding World wand interactions. Yeah. So I was trying to think of one that would be uh, that would use like the water effect where like the umbrella rains, but to have it either like leak oil or gas just like to brown up some water and spray people with it. But I couldn't figure out how that would not stain. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to upset people that badly. You Movies can have a car that, that blows its radiator and sprays That's people true. and has, has mm -hmm. fog coming up on under the hood that you could do something. Yeah. Like just that. a nice, like CO2 fog, just poof, 
Yeah, that would be a plenty. A little poof. One thing that you did mention <laughs> that I really that I really like is the idea, and I forgot to mention it during my description, but like I also want to have cars, like real movie cars. Mm -hmm. uh placed in different areas of the park to help like you said tell that story of where you are in the land but like one thing that has always bothered me about the universal studios cars is when they do bring them they're real cars like they were actual cars from the movies Mm -hmm. and so if you've ever seen a movie car closer than 10 feet away you'll know they're they're terribly built and it absolutely breaks my heart because in the movies they make these cars look absolutely amazing and like super shiny and great and then you see them up close and you're like wow this is a huge pile of junk you know yeah so i really love what universal studios florida did with the queue area for fast and the furious supercharged where the cars are indoors and they're just Mm -hmm. really well kept and they're clearly not they're clearly not the movie cars like they're remade and i i think that's the way it should be i wish that there was an automotive car museum somewhere in universal studios that did have the actual movie cars that are beat up and modified and you get to see like the behind the scenes stuff but like having cars from your favorite characters in the films on the roads where you get to walk up and they look just as beautiful as they do in the movies i think that's that's really cool that's really cool. So I love the interactive idea, though, especially if you had like if you were to do that in my Tokyo area. Um, uh, what's little Bow Wow's character? Uh, anyway, I can't oh, remember I... his name, but he has that Hulk car. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would be the perfect car to do some sort of interaction with uh, and hack. So that, that'd be super fun. I mean, just that one would be cool to just be able to drive forwards and backwards and have it smash. Yeah. And then it, <laughs> Hulk smash. And then, of course, when it does it, it would be the song, My Life Be Like Ooh. Uh. <laughs> His theme song, for sure. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, I love that additional experience. That's really neat. It's super interactive. And that's becoming more and more popular for a reason, because it's it's really fun. Yeah. So it nice. is. Okay, cool. Well, let me move on to my additional experience. My experience is a little bit bigger than that. I had mm. I had spoken with you about it before we started recording, and uh, you know it's kind of a big one, but uh, and it's a little on the nose, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so recently, if you've been to Hollywood Studios before uh, Star Wars um, Galaxy's Edge was built at Disney World, you'll know that it replaced an area that was. I was really sad to see it go. I it was it was a beloved area. It was a beloved show called Lights, Motors, Action. And it was an extreme stunt show featuring lots of cars and motorcycles and jumps and pyrotechnics and stunt performers falling off of roofs and real, real, actual performance drivers who are so incredibly talented. They had it in Florida and they had it in Paris. Um, As of last March, Paris has also shut down Lights, Motors, Action. And to me, that's a huge shame. Um, I think it was one of the, as a car person, I love waking up to the smell of burning rubber in the morning if I can. (laughs) And um, it was one of the only places where you could truly see amazing car maneuvers from a, a, from like there was no bad seat in the house and appreciate how good these drivers really are. So for me, I think Universal should hire them. And behind the Nissan, uh, sorry, behind the Toyota Supra, 
and behind Dom's Challenger is going to be my main entrance to my Fast and the Furious test facility. So I'm, I'm going to read a bunch of notes. I have a bunch of notes about this, but it's essentially, like I said, a version of Lights, Motors, Action themed and based around Fast and the Furious. Um, but I want it to include more fire and more explosions. Like, let's Michael Bay this thing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there are plenty of moments of fire and explosions and gunplay in, uh, in Lights, Motors, Action. Yeah, so I don't think this, you'd have to do much. <laughs> this is turning it to 11. I love it. Definitely. And so one of my favorite things, though, is, like I said, the display of cars. And so uh, once you go between the vehicles and you enter, um, I actually want the queue to almost like have a uh, like a pre-show queue that's indoors. And what I want it to be is there's a scene in one of the Fast and the Furious movies where they walk into essentially a government impound bank of supercars. And Dom and his team get to go in and they get to pick and choose whatever cars they want. And they're all on racks and it looks amazing. I want that for my queue, except I want it to be cars that have been driven by villains in these movies. Because there are so many iconic cars yeah. and so many villains. And, you know, Hobbs has been around a lot of these cars and a lot of them haven't really been destroyed some of them will be on the racks which i think would be fun but i want them all to be screen correct so movie correct i want them to have tags hanging off of them that tell you you know, that have like easter eggs like what case number this is it could be like one through nine right because it's like the fast mm -hmm. and furious movies and then i want it to have the character's name so it's kind of like a if you're a huge Fast and the Furious car nerd, you know that that car belongs to Braga, right? Like yeah. you just know. So um, that's my pre-show cue. Once you get through that, it's going to be kind of like Lights, Motors, Action, just because with exhaust and tire smoke, it has to be outdoors. Mm -hmm. I, I know like I know it's hot <laughs> in Florida, for example, and it's hot in Anaheim sometimes or, or L.A. Uh, to have a show like this, but it needs to be in an outdoor stadium. And you essentially, the story is you have been invited by Hobbs to watch Toretto and the team test out some vehicles while they run some scenarios to see if those cars that they pick will work for their next mission. So they're going to be running through a few different cars. Obviously, there needs to be some character uh, elements, right? Like you need to be able to see Dominic Toretto and Hobbs, who is the rock, um, speaking. So I want them to be on a screen in the middle, kind of like what Lights Motors Action has right now, mm -hmm. or, or did. Basically, what it'll be is Toretto will be talking with Hobbs. He sees uh, the bank of cars that you were just in. So it'll be filmed in the same area. Um, and then he sees a bunch of cars in the corner that are covered under tarps. And he looks at Hobbs, and he says, uh, what cars are those? And Hobbs says, oh, you can't use those. These are prototypes, and they cost more than you can afford, pal. Which is an iconic line from the movie. Anyway, Toretto obviously gives him that look, and then Hobbs reluctantly hands him the keys. And those are our hero stunt vehicles for this show. And yes. so the idea is that, you know, the team suits up with helmets so that, you know, that way you can have drivers that don't have to look like Dominic Toretto, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then 
The show starts with the team showing some basic demonstrations of these custom-built vehicles and uh, showing off their capabilities by doing some drift circles and some basic donuts. And then, of course, we cut to Roman Pierce, who is from Too Fast, Too Furious, who is who's quite cocky. Um, mm-hmm. His character is quite cocky. So uh, he goes on about a rant about how, like, that was easy. I'm, look at me, like, I've never even seen a car like this before, and I know how to drive it. And then Hobbs looks at him and says, uh, by the way, we're going to take you off learner's mode. <laughs> so whenever Roman Pierce goes up, they slap him right back down. <laughs> He's kind of like the joke character of the whole franchise. As we're laughing at Roman Pierce in that scene, everything goes dark. And then things kind of take a turn. And what happens is Owen Shaw, who is Jason Statham's character, Owen Shaw appears on the rooftop with other bad guys in cars and try to ambush the team as they're practicing with their new vehicles. So you're immediately brought up with like a bazooka down at one of the cars. You've got gunfire. The team has to scramble basically in these cars that they've never used before, but they're the best drivers in the world. Of course, they'll be able to figure out how to use these things. So um, obviously Hobbs takes out one of the snipers on the roof. He does his 40 foot fall onto a, you know, onto a pad. That's one of the stunt performers. And then we hear the sound of a very different car before it enters the scene. And this car, I think, is one of the most iconic cars in the franchise. And it's a villain car. And it's called the Flip Car. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have, do you, yep. have you seen that car, Aaron? So yeah. essentially, it's a wedge. <laughs> it looks like an F1 car. It's a wedge. And he can basically go underneath cars and flip them. That's why it's called the Flip Car. And it, it does a lot of damage. So as Owen Shaw in the flip car chases around the team, one of the cars is flipped. Obviously, no one will be in it. They'll have to use the tow cable uh, and sends it upside down into a channel of water that's downstage where it explodes and then sends water splashing in the front row. So I've always loved the, the soak zone thing. Um, we've talked about... Waterworld before and Waterworld. Yeah, we talked about Waterworld in our Universal episode, our exactly. Universal Over Under. That's right, yeah. and it's one of my favorite things. And I love that there's like a soak zone, especially in the heat uh, when you're mm-hmm. sitting outside. So I love the idea of an explosion causing a splash to splash the whole audience. And then Toretto says to Hob, <laughs> Hobbs on the radio, I guess I owe you a 10-second car. <laughs> so we laugh about that. And then one of the coolest things that I... Gosh, I don't even know how you practice something like this, but um, in Lights Motors Actions, there's a scene where three cars go up on two wheels and they balance the car up on two wheels. And so I like the idea of having the flip car trying to flip Toretto, but then he's able to maintain it and drive the car on two wheels just to prove that he's like an amazing yeah. driver, right? Like that's the whole point of this is he's he's a fantastic driver. doesn't matter what car he's in, right? And so eventually... You know, they realize that Shaw can't defeat Toretto even with the flip car. So they get out of the cars and they do a stage combat scene between uh, Toretto and Owen Shaw, uh, which, of course, Shaw eventually gets defeated and arrested by Hobbs and Toretto. That's kind of my show. Um, At the end, I would like more recognition for the stunt drivers. So at the end of Waterworld, kind of the same thing, what they do is everyone breaks character and they give full kind of like IMDB credits to all of the stunt performers and mm-hmm. other things that they've been in. I think these drivers have probably been in 
pretty insane movies that we have maybe some of them have even been in fast and the furious movies and we just don't know so most likely yeah for how big it is right like why wouldn't you have the best drivers i wouldn't i would imagine the community's pretty pretty tight when it comes to stunt Mm -hmm. drivers and performers so um i like the idea of them getting a plod as they uh rev their engines and then a host introduces them to the crowd with their with their credits. That's my stunt show. I cut it down a lot because obviously I could talk about this for like three hours. <laughs> but that's kind of the basic gist is you're there just visiting and then things go wrong, which is, you know, kind of every Fast and the Furious movie. I love it. I think that's probably more relevant than a Bourne stunt show. Even though the Bourne stunt show is amazing, I think that's, I mean, I don't think they're going to be making a lot more of those movies. And they certainly haven't done as well as the Fast franchise has. Right, right. And I think, and, I would imagine the Bourne Spectacular costs a lot less than having, you know... Oh, definitely. 15 stunt performers <laughs> doing four mm-hmm. shows a day. But I think if you're going to do a Fast and the Furious, like, you know, attraction, you got to have real cars. You have to have yep. real cars. People want to see smoking rubber, you know, smoking rubber and, uh, and that the sound of an engine. It really captures the missing elements from just having a virtual attraction, which is you get the sense of speed and danger and thrill. You get to go fast. You get to see people who are furious. You don't really get that in a a tram tour attraction. You don't. And a lot of these screen attractions that you get, you get a car that flips and explodes, but you don't really get to feel, you know, that percussion Mm -hmm. in your chest from that explosion. So I like that idea of like, actually flipping a car by using these Hollywood techniques that they use in a yes. movie. And obviously it'd be a, it'd be built like crazy to be able to do this, you know, every show. But I mean, that would just be so cool to see that in real life. And it would be totally unexpected. Yes. I mean, they did lights, motors action like three, four times a day. Yeah. I think their tires only lasted like two shows. That's how much rubber they burned. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think all of their cars, even in Florida, were French cars. Do you remember? Yeah, they were Opals, but they were shells. They were not mm-hmm. even car engines. They were Suzuki Hayabusa like, motors. Yeah, they were like motorcycle engines, weren't they? That's right. Yeah, so they revved yeah. really, really high. And they had four gears in forward and four gears in reverse. Totally crazy. Yeah, they did, they did go fast in reverse and then they also had a reverse car mm-hmm. where there was like the, <laughs> the body was flipped well yeah the body was flipped but the driver was exterior to the car that's in a right. little cage yeah. like hanging off the door basically yeah and it was like a really fun reveal to see like how great he was at driving in reverse mm-hmm. then it was just facing forward the car is facing in reverse that's right Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity for Universal. I don't know what kind of contracts those stunt performers are under or, you know, what type of, I don't know if there's a thing as like show patents or anything, experience patents that Disney might have on something like that. But man, I would, I, people would flock to a show like that. People would flip out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel very fortunate that I got to see that show both in English in Florida and in uh, French. Yeah. Uh, wow, Drew. <laughs> wow. Uh, I had a feeling that you were going to do a stunt show, which is why I tried to stay away from it. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I did because y- you smashed that out of the park. That's Thanks. awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I really want yeah. it to happen. I hope it does. I hope that does, even without all the other Fast and Furious bark elements. I just hope that does. Yeah. Uh, so we're now to 
the e-ticket ride. How did you approach the idea of doing a Fast and Furious ride? You know, it was something that I was really excited to do. And then I did not realize how difficult it would be. I don't know if you had that same problem, but like, like I said, Fast and the Furious, it's really hard to come up with something original that hasn't already been done, um, first of all. And then there, it, you also have to kind of, there's a fine line between representation with car companies, especially because they name drop a lot. And so yeah. I don't know if you'd be able to do a lot of the, you know, Motec exhaust, you know, branding stuff that they do in the movies. Mm-hmm. So that was also kind of an obstacle. But um, I did come up with an attraction. Why don't I go first? Because I feel like uh, you gave me some hints as to what yours is. And I'm I'm really excited to hear about it. So I'm going to let you you do yours after mine. My main attraction is going to be kind of, I want you to think of a mix between Test Track and Radiator Springs Racers. Once again, I think it's really important that you get guests into an actual car because that's, maybe that's just the car guy in me. Um, But I think, you know, if people are having that much fun in a ride in Florida that's based around Chevy... (laughs) Man, Very true. they're going to have a great Very time true. when it's when it's themed around Fast and the Furious. Now, the only difference between my version and theirs is I want the rear wheels to be on a separate track. And, of course, the reason is because I want that baby to drift. Yes. Now, my attraction is actually not on the Tokyo side, so it has nothing to do with Tokyo Drift. It actually has something to do um, with the L.A. side. And specifically... It's focused around one iconic scene that's at the beginning of the first movie. So, your ride vehicle is going to resemble a black Honda Civic with green underglow. And it's going to glow like crazy. Yes. And a little backstory on me, by the way. This is a little... It has to do with underglow. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) In high school... Um, I actually drove my family's Honda Civic that I inherited from my sister. Like she gave it to me because she got a new car. So uh, one day I was working on my Honda Civic and my neighbor came over and said, hey, man, nice Honda Civic. And I said, thanks. And he said, what are you doing to it? I said, well, I want I'm a musician, so I want to put a subwoofer in it and some speakers. And he goes, oh, well, you should take it to my shop. Um, I do all the car audio there. You should come over and and check it out and we'll install some stuff in your car. Okay, cool. So I did. I show up at this shop and what do I see? I see a bunch of Fast and the Furious cars in that shop. He told like he did not mention that he actually worked on some of the icon most of the iconic cars that are in the first and second Fast and the Furious movies. So for me, fantastic. That was my introduction into the tuner world. <laughs> and I mean like what the heck what an amazing introduction i didn't really i drove a minivan before you know what i mean like i didn't really care much about cars unless it could fit a surfboard and a bike in the back you know so for me this was like holy smokes this is really cool i got to be around all of these actual iconic movie cars some of which were in the next movie (laughs) so it was really amazing for me to get this introduction anyway so my my car in high school I mean, it was fully done up. It had underglow inside, outside, in the grill, underneath, banging stereo system. It was like the epitome of like the early 2000s Fast and the Furious kid. So 
Excellent. Got in a ton of trouble. It set off car alarms because it was so loud. It was obnoxious. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it because it introduced me to this amazing world that, that you and I have been a part of with this car culture. So anyway, back to the attraction. So um, you're going to be in a black Honda Civic or something that looks like a Honda Civic. I don't know if Honda would be a, a proud sponsor of this attraction, but um, it has green lights underneath. And you go on a challenge to prove to Toretto and his gang that you have what it takes to be a part of their team. So you're hopping in in one of their Honda Civics, and he actually puts a GPS system um, in your car that would be on like the main dash uh, that would take you to a container ship docking area. So kind of like a port, like a container port mm -hmm. in probably in like Long Beach, where he was planning yeah. on putting you through some obstacles, right? So um you pull in there's containers to your left to your right it's this big wide open area and then all of a sudden things go wrong the second you get there and you're ambushed by federal officers who have no choice uh, who surround you and toretto of course tells you you got to get out of there like instantly so they block the exit and you have no choice but to escape somehow so what do you do you create a smoke screen. So at that point, I want the car to actually go onto a turntable and those rear wheels are gonna put you in a circle and then we're gonna have a fog machine that fogs up the whole area. So it looks like you're doing a donut, um, which I think would be, would be really cool. And then of course, you barely escape and the way you escape is by going under a semi-truck. <laughs> Just like in the first movie because i love that scene and i know every car guy that's in a low car when they drive by a semi-truck they're like i wonder if i can fit under there <laughs> i know i do so anyway so you 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 go under a semi-truck it looks it feels like a really close call and then of course a chase ensues and you're forced to prove yourself not in this safe space anymore but out on public roads weaving in and out of oncoming traffic so obviously like aaron and i said like these guys have kind of like this reckless car mentality where they just kind of like do whatever they need to do in their movies so there will be um multiple maneuvers that this ride vehicle is going to have to do so like i said it's going to need to drift those rear wheels are going to need to be on a separate track so that you really get that feeling like you're peeling around corners and and you know barely hanging on the ragged edge which i don't think test track and Raider to Springs Racers really gives you. Like you never feel like the car's out of control at any point in time. So I really want that to be conveyed in my ride vehicle. Um, and then of course, you gotta bail somehow. So what are you gonna do? You need more power? You're gonna hit that big NOS button right in the middle of the dash. Absolutely. You're gonna feel the car take off a little bit. Everybody wants to know what, what NOS feels like. Obviously this is gonna be a totally exaggerated version of it, but what the heck, why not? So big NOS button. And then one of the features that I want on the vehicles that I think I'm surprised it's not on any vehicles yet is to get that feeling of being chased by police. I actually want to put digital screens in the rear view mirrors so that you see blues and twos in the mirrors behind you. And then when yeah. you hit that NOS button, they just fade away. Mm, and I think that's I like a, it. Yeah, that's a great way to like convey that like you are being chased. Like I can only imagine being on Radiator Springs Racers, if you looked in the rearview mirror and you saw Frank behind you, it would feel a lot closer. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's true. 
So I want those screens there with blues and twos going and then for them to fade away. And then of course, uh, when you evade the feds, you park in the alleyway of Toretto's garage, you and I. Um, and at the end, you see that Hobbs has actually been with Toretto the whole time. And the ambush was just to see what you were capable of. So he actually sent them just to see how you'd be able to scramble out your way out of that situation. And then Hobbs says to Dom, I think you just found yourself a new wheelman. And then Dom says, I think I did too. Welcome to the team, or as we like to call, the family. I love it. I love so that's, it. That's my ride. Um, I just think it's, it's cool to put people in real cars. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know if it needs a windshield. I don't, I'm not planning on going nearly as fast as, fat, as Test Track or Radiator Springs Racers. And I think the windshield kind of, you get less air blowing in your face. That's what you like about roller coasters, right? It feels more mm -hmm. kind of hectic because the wind's in your face. So, And the tighter the turns, the more Gs you pull, you have that sense of force right. that people mistake for speed. You know, yeah. people mistake um, Space Mountain for a fast ride. They mistake Thunder Mountain for a fast ride. They are not. Exactly. And then what's really funny is you go on Radiator Springs Racers and it doesn't really feel that fast. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I think the ability to have the rear wheels take a different track would be a challenge. I don't think it's impossible, but I just think you, you need that car to feel like it's sl slipping and sliding out of control. Like it's a really hectic situation. Well, we, we have one thing in common for sure, Drew. Um, in my ride, it is all about being in the car and being the driver. So I think just even before I get into the details, that is something that we're, that we're right on the same page with. Okay. The ability to give the guest the experience of being behind the wheel instead of being, in the case of Fast and Furious Supercharged, dragged. <laughs> yes. Like, you want the sense that you are behind the wheel. You want the ability to have that thrill yourself. You right. want to be the main character in this Fast and Furious story. So that leads me into my ride, which I named Fast and Furious Redline. Uh, I thought that the idea of giving, like, pushing Redline is like that, that whole sensation of kind of a battle of risk versus reward. Will you make it? Will you not make it? Are you going to blow your engine? What's going to happen? Can I say one thing before you get into your pre-show? Yeah. I would like to acknowledge the fact that you have called your attraction Fast and the Furious Redline because if you're a big Fast and the Furious fan like I am, you'll know that the movie was actually named Redline before they changed it to Fast and the Furious. So that's perfect. It's kind of like the old, um, there was a fake title for Star Wars called Blue Harvest. <laughs> when Star Wars was like such a cultural event and they were out shooting Return of the Jedi, George Lucas said, we're, we're calling this movie uh, Blue Harvest. Don't worry about it. It's a horror movie. We're out in the desert. Don't come and look at what we're shooting because you're going to disrupt. So then when Seth MacFarlane goes and makes a Family Guy version, he calls it Blue Harvest. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Same reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So my my queue building um, starts actually fairly similar to the entry in Orlando, but I want the garage that you enter actually to be much smaller um, in stature. And I want all the cars to look like crap. I don't want them to be race cars. I want them to be average 
everyday Joe cars. Okay. Uh, on lifts, this is a regular service bay. You're not seeing something uh, elegant, not something extravagant. This is a very average garage. Like, mechanics just went on lunch break. You're in this garage. Yeah. And so you're weaving around, and at the very end, you see an extremely clean car. It's like the one sports car in this entire garage. And so you get brought over to this just by nature of the line. And there's this little tiny CRT TV that's like sitting sort of on a toolbox and it zaps to life and you see the rock's face on it. And there's agent Hobbs. And he says, Hey, welcome to DSS. That's the, that's basically like the shield of yeah. Fast and Furious. It stands for Diplomatic Security Service. It's kind of like the sort of government entity, sort of like military, but nondescript, badass ops team. Yeah. So uh, he says, you, uh, you've you been summoned into the DSS headquarters, um, in my case, in Miami, but in, in fill in the blank, wherever this place is. Yep. And so we're going to bring you in. We're going to start the the briefing process. And you see this sports car on a lift. And the sports car on a lift will be lifted off the ground. And that'll be your entry into what basically amounts to this enormous laboratory. And you'll have this reveal that it, in my mind, I think I brought this up earlier. In my mind, it's it's more like a James Bond moment of like seeing cars being worked on. But you see like... One is in a chamber being tested for, like, flame resistance. So there's, like, a guy in a lab coat just hitting it with a giant flamethrower. Okay. You see another one where, like, missiles are popping out, like, missile launchers are popping out of uh, of the hood and out of, like, the side panels. And uh, you see, like, the old uh, license plate flipping through, like, multiple countries' licenses and, like, okay. different numbers to, like, you know, keep a low profile. Awesome. So this is now how you're being brought into this um, into the story. And so that was, that was kind of more of the line that I took was more of the like spy action movie thriller side of things. Yeah. Like the espionage. It does. Yeah. It definitely diverts from the car culture-ness. And I guess that's really physically represented by going from the greasy garage into the immaculate laboratory. The movies are literally doing this. And so I thought let's physically do this in the ride and so we're in the laboratory, and we get briefed by, uh, by Hobbs to say, look, we have intel. There is a car that is carrying schematics for a, I mean, just name anything, chemical weapon, weapon of mass destruction, doomsday device, or your grandma's recipe for cookies. It doesn't really matter. This is just the point to get onto the ride. Yes. So... You are being briefed on your mission. Your mission is to intercept a car. And so you board your ride vehicle and you take off and then you jump into the story. Now, before I get into the story, I want to talk about the actual layout of this track. If you know one of the new, um, very new, I think, rides in Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, in your neck of the woods, Drew, okay. is um, West Coast Racers. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'm pulling a little bit of a page out of their book here because what I want to do is at the halfway point of this track loop, have a big break zone with a show building, and I want it right next to the loading area so that 
both cars can launch simultaneously. Yeah, that's cool. When you're at a different part in the story, that launch car uh, that you initially boarded plays a new character. And so I'll explain what I mean by that. Okay. So you get in the car, and you roll out towards the acceleration platform, still very slowly. You're just kind of like getting a lay of the land. Uh, and you see another car kind of like just take a corner and um, disappear from view. It, it gets brought up on a radio. Hey, that's our man. Mm. We need to track that guy down. Let me know if you hear anything out of the ordinary. Hobbs disconnects. Suddenly you hear an engine rev and you see this car fly like a bat out of hell and you immediately hit the accelerator and you are going in tandem with this other car who is able to make a helix flip over you and continue driving away out of shot, out of view, gone. Mm -hmm. You messed up. Immediately you blew it. So then you continue along the ride and you're brought into this show building. This show building would say, okay, so we lost track of them, but we have some new intel. We think we know what's going on. What we're going to do is we're going to equip your car with, uh, or we're going to enable your car with a set of technology that we haven't quite fully tested here, but it's jump jacks. And so what you're going to be able to do is jump over the car that you need to intercept. Hobbs is going to get into the car with you, and when you jump over top, he's going to jump into the enemy's car and take care of business. Okay. This is now where you're set up at the midpoint of the ride, and so now you say, okay, we have the intel, we know where the car is coming from, you hear the same engine rev again, and you hit the gas again, and now you are hitting in that same line, but now the car's to your opposite side. You do the helix flip over top, you hear the rock say, I'm in the other car, I've got the intel, get out of here. And guess what you do, Drew? You hit the NAS button. <laughs> yes. Of course, you have yes. to. You have to. Now, one thing that I really wanted to implement, and this was like my big head-scratcher moment of like, how do I implement this? One thing that I think would take this ride to the next level, besides the storytelling, besides it being a fun ride, and I mean... This roller coaster could be like on the level of a Velocicoaster of the Hulk, like a super fast, fun mm -hmm. ride. But I think what would take it to the next level, besides just speed, is the ability to have the guests actually interact with the speed. I don't know how this would work on a technical scale, right. but what I imagined happening on a um, experience level is that you'd actually have a shift up and shift down button or a paddle. Okay in your car i'm imagining like if the actual like handles are like a like a steering wheel and you'd have like an up and down like thumb button so you can hold on without being you know resisting the the ride and that the car would actually tabulate your reaction time to when you should shift Ooh. and it will give you like a visual indication of when you should shift and actually score and rank you according to sort of like a collective maybe a team of four yeah your reaction time, but to also increase or decrease the speed according to your performance. I mean, we've been in some fast cars and a three second zero to 60 is quite fast, but a two and a half second zero to 60 feels different. I mean, on paper, a half a second, big whoop. You wouldn't be able to tell it differently if it's just breezing by you, but it feels different. Every 10th of a second increment that you improve 
does have that much more of a force against you. It is it really does. exponential. Yeah. So to figure out a way in which you could actually tabulate sort of a collection, a team of four uh, in a ride vehicle, or maybe a team of eight, whatever the case may be, and that their reaction time would have an effect on the acceleration. I have no idea if that would ever be safe enough to execute. There would have to be a minimum, of course, like if everyone blew it and no one hit their buttons, that it would still proceed. I just think that uh, the moment that I thought of as far as like hitting the NAS button, it's why I implemented it, maybe why you implemented it as well. Uh, there's actually that moment in Hagrid's Magical Creatures uh, where you hit the dragon fire button on the motorcycle okay. and that sends you flying, that sends you into an acceleration zone. Yeah, I think I think it's totally possible. I, I think that they build rides nowadays, like rides that incorporate linear induction. Um, like linear induction isn't just used for takeoff anymore. It's also used to trim speed. So you could easily have a roller coaster vehicle that takes off faster and then later towards the end of the line can be trimmed back down so that it safely makes the next maneuver. So I think that's totally possible. I absolutely think that's a cool idea. In a great way, like you've you've never been able to interact with the actual mechanics of like you like you can do it with screens, like you can do it mm-hmm. with Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run, but like that would be you're you're talking like the equivalent of like if Mission Space gave you more G's because of your reaction time. That is yes. really cool, super. Yes, cool. and on on a computational level not very complicated no. the more i thought about it the more i thought oh this is just guitar hero yeah because it just really has to zero in on a on a target yeah. and then when you hit it as close to the target as you can you have like a success failure rate right. and then that's just averaged in your in your group of 4 or 8 it's not hard on a on like a tabulation level yeah but to be able to then supply that to the linear induction system and have that effect happen like in as close to real time as physically possible. Mind blow. Yeah, I can totally see that being plausible. Another element that I that I thought of that I don't think I've ever seen in a in a roller coaster setting. It actually is seen in Radiator Springs more or less, but is to have ride vehicles on separate track. So to have literally another ride vehicle a dummy ride vehicle basically on like a tiny circle that could act as your enemy vehicle at the start of the ride or to kind of like come out of corners and duck in and around yeah because the whole idea is to pull the trick on the guests that at the midpoint the other people in the car are the enemy and that when you took off the other people at their midpoint are the enemy and to kind of give you that sensation that that trick to pull on them yeah to say hey this is this is the um, the thing that's happening. I even went as as far as to like try and figure out if you were on always the cur- the proper side of the car, you could paint the the ride vehicle in a gradient and have a voiceover saying, "All right, you're in the white car. Look out for the black car." Yeah. Where in fact, one side of the car is white, one side of the car is black, and I thought that would be a really neat effect. And you could sell it further by putting these little maybe 150 foot track elements that are just like flywheel activated. They don't have to actually be linear induction and Mm -hmm. they don't really have to do anything but go in a small circle and then go into a maintenance bay. Like that's it. You can also achieve that with lighting. And I think a a really good example of that is the Tron 
light cycle roller coaster. There's a scene where your vehicle, the wheels on the left side turn orange instead of white, and you go by a mirror, and it actually looks like mm. there's an opposing vehicle running right next to you, when in reality, it's your vehicle just reflecting off a mirror with a different light. So you could totally oh, do smart. something like that. I, I, I think that's really cool, and I, I do like the idea of you not realizing that you're the bad car for the next people. I think that's totally like plausible with the use of today's technology. It's doable. And like, yeah, the reaction time could definitely be calculated into it. I don't, I don't think it would be that difficult, but that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that mine is missing that maybe we could add, but it feels like it's already pre-packed, is your brilliant idea of drifting. I think drifting is the only thing that this thing is missing. It is very much like the straight line fast car. I mean, mine is really the Challenger and yours is the Super Ride. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> there we go. If, if anything, the, the, the wide rear tires on the Challenger would be very difficult to drift. So Yes, indeed. <laughs> you can change it based on what, what ride vehicle you're on, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. but It would be sweet. The only thing, if it were a Challenger, that I would want to add is you got to do a wheelie. You gotta pull a wheelie somehow. Has there been a, a roller coaster that does a wheelie? Wow. Yeah, there has been actually, and it's one that everyone talks trash on that I love, and it's called Rocket Rods. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> oh, we keep bringing it back to. It always comes back to Rocket Rods, Rock doesn't it? Rocket Rocket Rods. <laughs> well, Drew, this was a unique challenge of a of a topic for us because the storytelling in the fast and furious franchise is so widely varying. I think what we came down to that the both of us really worked well from is establishing like sort of a, a, a rule set or like a language by which we were going to work from to mm -hmm. build our respective lands. It was something that I was really excited to start, like the idea of like, oh, let's build a Fast and the Furious land is like mm -hmm. such an amazing idea. But then once you get like thinking about it, you're like, oh, man, what part? Because you're right. It's such it's such a wide variety of different scenes and iconic scenes. And it's like mm -hmm. they all kind of like weirdly like mix into one. You're like, is that from Fast Five or is that seven or four or you know, so it's it's hard to it's hard to follow. So I, I think what we did with like honing in on like using the specific cars to tell the story and the timeline works a lot better. I hope that Universal Studios sees the value that they have in Fast and the Furious besides ticket sales, like in creating these experiences maybe off of the cars and not so yeah. much the characters. You know what I mean? I think people resonate with the iconic vehicles. And like I said, I'm, I'm really hoping that we will eventually get some sort of experience that has to do with the magic of movie cars. And those are the, the real heroes of these movies, the amount of cars that they've destroyed and movie cars are great and i'm sure we'll have another episode about movie cars eventually because i want to <laughs> but uh yeah super fun had a great time i think that's the end of this episode we hope that you guys had a really really great time listening uh to our ideas and 
I want to hear your ideas too. So make sure you leave a comment down below. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more cool ideas like this where we imagine different attractions for movies that are maybe a little bit underrepresented. So uh, let us know what you would do for Fast and the Furious. Did you agree with some of the things that we did? Did you disagree? I'm particularly curious because there's been a lot of rumors around the third gate of Universal in Orlando, Epic Universe. And I think yeah. that that has a lot of a lot of territory that's yet to be firmly established. And I could definitely see some car-based or even Fast and Furious-based attractions coming in that area, especially if in the next few years, the Fast and Furious movies continue to dominate as they have. They are an undeniable juggernaut at the box office. And I think that they're going to be a main staple of Universal for a long time to come. Yeah, and whether you're a fan of the franchise or not, uh, we can all agree that the current representation that Fast and the Furious has in the Universal Parks is, yeah, said it. it's terrible. <laughs> it's not it's, good. It's, it's two thumbs good. down. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for watching. We had a great time pitching these ideas. See you in the next one. Bye.